Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. All right, we doing okay? Sweet. Awesome. Well, uh, we get to hear from a special speaker this morning. I'm so excited about it. Before we do that, two quick announcements I want to echo. First of all, this afternoon, 5 o'clock, come in through the main doors. If you are new to VFC or new-ish, or you've been coming a while, you've never been to the class, Discover VFC is this afternoon at 5. It lasts about an hour, hour and a half, depending on the questions. And it's an opportunity for you to find out more about who VFC is, why we exist, what we do. Um, and there's water and candy that Cynthia provides. So come on. Um, so that's this afternoon at 5. Also, again, next Sunday, we're having a baptism. We're having a baptism. And so if you've never been water baptized since coming to the Lord, we would love to baptize you. There is a sign-up sheet in the foyer to let us know that you're coming. This morning, you get to hear from my favorite person on planet Earth. Um, I was trying to think of how do I introduce my wife, Tiffany, and I just have no words. She is my best friend. She is one of the wisest people I know. Um, She loves the Lord with a a genuineness and an authenticity that I try to model my walk with the Lord after. Um, She is a fantastic woman. And would you guys please welcome Tiffany Nunley. Jamie's had this joke with me all morning. Um, I started as soon as we woke up. He's like, do you need anything? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Like, so now it's just, that's why he just said, do you need anything? No, I don't need anything. Thanks, sweetie. That was really, that was really sweet. And I'm going to throw it back to him and just say, um, you know, I get to live with Jamie. You get to see him on Sunday mornings um, and at meetings, but he's the same at home as he is here. He's just a little quieter, (laughs) but, um, but it's just, I have such respect for him. Um, not just as my husband, but as my pastor. So um, we're, really, we're really blessed to have him here, you know, in this day and age. And there's a lot of criticism going on about the church. And um, he's authentically who he, he says he is. So I wanted to take that opportunity to do that. Um, I am excited to be here this morning. Um, I got my little rose jacket on because it's the rose show weekend. We went yesterday and wandered around and um, went in the tents and I marveled at people's ability to not kill plants like I do. Literally bought um, a succulent years ago because every, everyone told me if you can't keep plants alive, that's the plant to get. So I, you know, it's like just water it once every few weeks. You really don't have to do anything. Well, it started dying. So I put it outside my house by the back door like with plans to throw it away, and it literally came back to life once it left my house. <laughs> so we were walking around the, um, one of the tents with all the flowers in it yesterday, and uh, we saw a table with air plants, and Isaac was like, Mom, 
They're air plants. They don't need, all they need is air. You can keep one of those alive. I didn't get an air plant. I'm just going to let all of you take care of the plants of the world. Um, the, I think the last time I was up here I was, um, was about this time last year, and I was preaching a message called Built to Last, and I told you we were building a house and that we're building a church, and we're still building a house, and we're still building a church. Um, so there's been a little progress made on both of those, but um, that's still going on. But this morning, I want to talk to you about something that the Lord um, just began to speak to me weeks ago. Um, I was on uh, my drive to work, and I think a song was playing that said something about valleys. And um, the Lord just interrupted my thoughts as I was driving. And he said to me, why does everyone think valleys are a bad thing? And I might put my glasses on, but no one laugh. I'm just getting used to having to do this, okay? It's humbling. Okay. All right, here we go. Um, So the Lord said, why does everyone think valleys are a bad thing? And then he took me on a journey of revelation about valleys and mountains that flipped the script on what most of us have come to think about these things. So what he was showing me on that drive to work is that it's not a roller coaster of highs and lows, of valleys and mountains like we've come to believe, but rather a place of abiding and contentment with temporary trips up the mountain to achieve a purpose. Um, The key to contentment in life is loving where you live, not longing for what you lack. And what he was really telling me um, is that he wants us to live in that valley of contentment and that it's a good thing. And yes, there are mountaintop experiences, but the place where we live and dwell is in that valley of contentment. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't feel hope and excitement for the future, But while you're planning for the future, you appreciate the present. You know, we're building a house, and I'm super excited about that. And we went by yesterday, actually, just to look at the progress, and they put the cabinets in. We were all excited. But when we come home from stopping by the house that we're in the process of building, and we come back into our own house where we're living now, I don't feel disappointed or upset, because I also love where we're living right now, and I'm kind of sad to let go of that, too. And so there's no discontentment coming home from something that I'm excited about. There's just contentment and peace where we currently are too. And I feel like that's a picture of what the Lord desires for us is to dwell in contentment where we are, where we are in our job, where we are in our family, where we are with our kids, in our city, whatever it is, wherever you're dwelling and living, you're content in that place. But there's also exciting things for the future that you plan for and look forward to. Um, there's, a, there's a phrase in a song uh, that we were just listening to this weekend, and it says, don't waste the time you have waiting for time to pass. We have a limited amount of time, and I'm guilty of this. Um, I know we are, we're all guilty of this. We waste the time that we're given right now waiting for that time to pass so that we can get to the next thing. And what the Lord is wanting to do this morning is draw us back into that place where we're appreciating that time and the moments that we have right now. I remember rocking my oldest son to sleep and just thinking, when will this end? When is he going to sleep? He, uh, he is a wonderful human being, but he does not need a lot of sleep. 
And, um, and so, you know, this, those were the nights of the sleep deprivation. And, and it's, if I'm being honest, I was really kind of wishing that time away. I was looking forward to the day when he was 16 and he could get home when he wanted to and I could go to bed and I didn't have to wait up for him. And I didn't care how little he slept. It didn't have to affect my sleep. But even in those moments, you know, um, as I thought about rocking my child, waiting for them to just go to sleep, but then imagining him being older in the future, what it did was brought me back into appreciation of not wanting to waste that time that I had with them. Um, And that's contentment. Knowing that where you are is not going to last, knowing that there's a future, but you're just happy and appreciating what you have and where you are right now. Um, Circumstances in our life are not always favorable in the present season that you're in. But the key to contentment is gaining God's perspective of your life and trusting that he's in the midst of wherever you are. You know, you might have, you might not feel good right now. You might um, be walking through a process of healing physically or emotionally. And like, I know that that's not pleasant, but but God's with you in the midst of that. And that's where your contentment comes from is being in the company of your father, even when the circumstances aren't perfect. So let's talk about valleys first. So um, a typical view of a valley is a low place. This is like in kind of Christianese I'm talking now, okay? When we talk about valleys and mountains, um, it's a low place to endure with the help from the Lord. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes waiting until it's time to move out of it back to a mountaintop experience. Like it's a place that we just endure that we're walking through until we can get back on that mountaintop. And I think sometimes this um, idea has come from the the passage that most of us know well in Psalm 23, uh, verse 4, that says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Um, And so it makes us feel afraid, like there's death and and evil in the valley. But I want to just... I want to just have you look at that a little bit different way. Um, That verse is not about the valley, but what's causing a shadow on you while you're in the valley. There's nothing to fear in the valley. Mountains cast shadows, and David was saying not to fear the shadow of death. Because if you have a relationship with God, the shadow is gone because Jesus removed that mountain and the fear of death is gone. So if you're walking down the street and there's a shadow on you, the street, you don't have to be afraid of the street, right? Um, That's the shadow that you may be in is not coming from the road that you're on. It's coming from the thing next to you that's casting that shadow. And so in Psalm 23, it's not saying be afraid of the valley. There's no death in the valley. There's peace in the valley. There's contentment in the valley. There was fear of death from the shadow that death was casting, but Jesus removed the fear of death when he died on the cross for us. So that's gone. This picture on the screen above me is a valley in Idaho. It was a trip that we took out to Yellowstone, and we were actually staying in the cabin across that little road there. And so that is a picture that we took just from the patio um, drinking coffee one morning so beautiful. And so like, that's just a picture of a valley. I just wanted to put a picture of a valley out there (laughs) because that's what I picture. You can see there's a house there. There's a dwelling. Um, There's mountains in the background. There's actually a lake between the mountains and that that little house there. Um, That house is not by itself because I was also in the house taking a picture of the other house. Um, And so there was a a measure of community there. So um, if the typical view of the valley is the shadow of death, then... um, then God's view of the valley is this. Valleys are places of favor, abiding, dwelling, 
rest, harvest, growth, community, and protection. Valleys are where early settlers wanted to live and build a home. They weren't coming over in their covered wagons trying to go up a mountain and build a log cabin up on a mountain peak somewhere, right? They came over and they settled in valleys. There was water, fertile soil, better climate, protection from the elements because of the surrounding mountains. In valleys, we can live and do life together while sharing responsibilities um, you know, someone's good at gardening, someone's good at hunting. They're, everyone had their own unique gifts, and they worked together in a community, and that's because God built us for a relationship. And so while you may be on a mountain by yourself in the valley, you're in community with other people. You're in relationship with other people, so you don't have to do life alone. You don't have to know how to do everything yourself because we're all different parts of the body of Christ. Um, you know, I know we all have examples of this family, our, in our family, we're all good at different things, but we can work together in your job. Um, in the city where we live, I saw that yesterday at the, um, the Rose Festival. You know, there's, there's Dana's singing, and she's got a beautiful voice. Someone else is, has paintings that they're selling. Someone else has made jewelry. I'm bringing my skill of shopping to buy the things <laughs> that they're selling. <laughs> We all have different skills, um, but it's, it's, we're in a city dwelling together, like in this valley, all using our giftings. Um, so when we're in a valley season, which is most of our life, um, it's easy to have a grass is always green, greener syndrome or mentality because we're always drawn to the unknown and assume it must be better in some other valley between some other mountains that we can't see, but... Um, One thing the Lord told me last week is that even if the grass is different, even if it's greener, you might be allergic to it. (laughs) You know, there's different types of grasses. Some is green, some looks soft, some looks more prickly. There's different types of grass, and there's grass allergies, right? So just trust that the grass that you're living in is the one that's best for you. It's the one that you don't react to, the one that you're not allergic to. And, you know, your neighbor might have greener grass, but if you walk over there, you might break out in hives because maybe you're allergic to it, you know? Um, and, <laughs> and so, you know, one thing that I really think he wants us to understand is that if we're busy tending to our own grass, we don't even know what's happening in our neighbor's yard. Um, Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So when we're um, looking straight ahead at um, the valley that we're living in, we don't have any idea what's happening in a valley in another mountain range that we can't see. All right, let's talk about mountains a little bit now. We've covered valleys. Um, A typical view of a mountaintop is a high place with an exhilarating peak experience, easy, fun places where we feel powerful and we want to stay there. This picture um, on the screen above me is from um, a mountain called Haleakala, and it's on, um, it's on the island of Malibu in Hawaii. What, what did I say? Oh, it's Maui. Maui, yeah, it's in Maui. And um, so Jamie and I took a trip for our 15th anniversary uh, to Maui, and we had heard that it was just an epic experience to drive up Haleakala and watch the sunrise. Well, in order to do that, you have to get up at 2.45 in the morning, 
because it's like a three-hour drive. It's hard to drive to the top of this mountain. Um, and so we did that because we're in Maui. Like, you know, you got you to gotta take the experiences that are there. And so, um, so we got up early. We drove up this mountain. We got there. It was freezing up there. It was warm down on the ground, but it was freezing up there. And um, there were all these other people that had decided to do this and watch the sunrise from the top of that mountain. And it was really like one of the coolest experiences of my life because what looks like maybe like ocean there is clouds. We were actually above the clouds, the peak of the mountain went up above the clouds. So when the sun finally rose, we watched it come up from underneath the clouds until it came up above the clouds there. Those are just more pictures of the same, the same mountain. We were up there playing around with the camera. I told Jamie it looks like an album cover of him there with that profile. <laughs> um, and so that was an awesome experience. This is our typical view of mountaintop experiences. Oh, that is... Um, that's in the Grand Tetons. We were in um, Idaho and Montana when we were visiting uh, Yellowstone. And, and uh, that one, we went up uh, like a, it's not a ski lift. What do you call it? When you get in the thing, it takes you up the side of the mountain. We didn't have to climb that mountain either. We got, we got to ride up. There was no snow on the ground. It was, I think it was June or July when we were there. But there, it was a whole different experience at the top of that mountain super high. That might have been the first time our kids saw snow and they were trying to like navigate down the side and not fall off the mountain so they could like reach out and touch the snow with their hand, you know, and say they touched snow. Um, but these are our typical view of mountaintop experiences. So while that's true, God also has a different view of mountains. It's an occasional journey for a purpose that always requires sacrifice and has to be taken seriously. Climbing a mountain requires humility, planning, training, preparation, confidence, and above all, awareness. The mountaintop is the destination, but it's always temporary. The peak is rewarding, breathtaking, and provides perspective that is impossible to have any other way. It gives direction and results and satisfaction that comes from obedience and accomplishment. The trek up the mountain is strenuous, and the trip down the mountain is dangerous. Um, we have, I have some pictures from Honduras. We went on a mission trip with Tim Martin here at the church. And um, we were trying to reach these people that lived in these houses that were so far apart from one another. And they were all in this mountain range. And so uh, the first picture is just us somewhere along the journey of walking up these mountains for miles and miles. And then the other one is just some point outside of someone's house. I think they had that little log. But um, that was a different experience than driving up to the top of the mountain and um, watching the sunrise. It was also a different experience than getting on that lift that just let us ride up there. Um, that required some effort on our part. It was strenuous. Um, it was rewarding and it was worth it. Um, and we were there and back and, you know, it took the day, but we didn't we didn't stay there. We didn't camp there, but we re did reach the people that were on the mountain. We, um, we accomplished the purpose of that trip in Honduras. Um, on a mountain, though, pride goes before a fall, and falling assumes that there's some height to fall off of. We've all heard about the dangers of putting someone on a pedestal. It's because there's nowhere to go but down. Um, peaks require awareness of your footing. And trust in your company because at your highest point, you're the most vulnerable to being pushed. Um, if you're on a mountain peak, like I was in the Idaho picture up there, 
Um, I, my family was around me, but what if someone else that I didn't know was with me? It would take one, you know, push on purpose or not on purpose of getting me out of the way, and I'm down. I'm falling to my death. Um, so mountaintop experiences require that the company that you're with are people that you trust. Um, you're often open to spiritual attack on the mountaintop. And peaks of mountains are not places you live. Um, I mentioned this earlier, that we live in the valley, and we have these journeys that God sends us on sometime up a mountain, but you don't live on that peak. And um, one thing I felt like the Lord was showing me while I was just preparing for this is that um, one of the pitfalls in ministry that we're seeing happen now is trying to live on that mountain peak instead of going up there with the Lord and then coming back down, not being aware of your footing, not being sure of who you're with, who you're surrounding yourself with, paying more attention to the view than where your feet are, and trying to stay and camp out there. Um, And the danger of that is that you fall. And so I believe it's the wisdom of the Lord that these experiences are temporary and they're serving the purpose that they're intended for. But if you're careful, you can enjoy the beauty of the peak. Climbing mountains are mostly a solo venture. You may have other people with you, but you can't climb for somebody else. In that first picture, we're all walking separately in Honduras. We all had our backpacks on. Everyone has to carry their own weight and supplies, and you have to be able to make the journey yourself. In the valley, you can share the load, but on the mountain, you have to be self-sustaining. These pictures are from Lookout Mountain. I love mountains. If you can't tell, I have 10 million pictures of mountains. Um, These were just only a few that we picked. Um, But this was on Lookout Mountain because I lost my mind temporarily in 2018 when I turned 40 and did uh, an endurance run, an ultramarathon, 50-mile run, climb on Lookout Mountain. So um, that picture of the waterfall was near the top. It wasn't quite at the top, but it was near the top, and it was so peaceful and beautiful, and I stopped to take a picture, but you can see all the stuff I had to carry to make that 50-mile journey. I had my headlamp because it was dark a lot of the time. Like, for hours, I was just in complete darkness alone, and I had to be able to see in front of me the backpack. I had to carry food that I might need that day, and water. It was a hydration pack, and had on special shoes and stuff that kept the mud and the dirt out of my shoes. Like, it was a process. Um, You can't just You can't just take off to go up a mountain and not take it seriously. Um, You've got to train. I hired a run coach for the first time in my life so that I would know how to properly be prepared to go up that mountain by myself because I knew I had to be self-sustaining. And then I spent about six months to a year planning for it and training for it. And when the Lord asked us to do something, um, yes, we're supposed to be ready in season and out of season, but we also hear from the Lord and we ask him what's required of us to follow through with that obedience. And then we're not flippant about what the Lord gives us to do. Um, I didn't just sit down last night and think, what am I going to talk about in the morning? It was a process of asking the Lord, what do you have for me to say? Because I'm not going to come up with something on my own. It's got to be from you, Lord. Um, And so there's a measure of seriousness that we need to um, have about us. It's fun. It's an adventure. I enjoy that, that journey on Lookout Mountain, but it required sacrifice and preparation. Um, So when we talk about valleys versus mountains, um, we just need to understand that life is a combination of these environments. Everyone wants to avoid the pain of a mountain journey, but there's no progress without pain. 
The alternative, the alternative is to do nothing or to play it safe. But don't confuse safety with being stagnant. And don't confuse contentment with complacency. The goal is to dwell in safety and contentment with the Lord, but not to become stagnant and complacent. Safety is when you're protected, and contentment is when you have that peace from the Lord. But when you're stagnant, like a pond that's stagnant that has no outflowing of the water, you become stinking and rotting, and there's death that happens in that stagnancy. When you're complacent, you become ineffective and apathetic because you're afraid of the risk that comes from going on the journey with the Lord. So again, we're supposed to love where we live. Um, How do we do this? By actively taking care of, serving, and appreciating it. Um, If we neglect the things that we're supposed to be content in, uh, we become resentful of them. So um, when we are serving the people in our lives, when we're taking care of the things that he's entrusted with us, it cultivates an appreciation of those things that we do have, of the people that we have, of the place where we are, of the job that he's given us, whatever it is, because you are actively serving in that capacity that he's given you. And that brings about contentment. So let's talk about some keys to contentment now. God's desire for us is to dwell in contentment in the valley and gain perspective on the mountain. And one of the things, one of the examples I thought of was of Jamie preaching in Pakistan. I think most of y'all have probably heard by now about the trips that he's made over to Pakistan um, and that he's the preaching that he's done here virtually too. But when he goes to Pakistan, it's a whole journey to get there. It is not an easy trip. It definitely requires preparation and planning, a ton of raising money because it's expensive to put on these crusades that he preaches um, in when he's over there. And so going to Pakistan and preaching at a crusade is a lot like going up a mountain <laughs> because of the journey there. It's strenuous. That peak experience is preaching to hundreds of thousands of people, seeing them get saved in a moment they've never heard from the Lord, and he's fulfilling the purpose of that journey and then coming back. But when he comes back and he's here preaching at VFC, walking in the daily uh, things that God's called him to do, that's him living in the valley. Um, Now he could do that. He could go to Pakistan, preach to 100,000 people, and they then say, I think I need to go down the other side of that mountain and move on to another valley. You know, and that's what we tend to do sometimes when God takes us somewhere and we have this peak experience with the Lord. It's like we're too good to go back into the valley where he has us live. But that's a trap, you guys. God's design is for us to be used by him for a specific purpose and then come back into that place of dwelling and contentment with where he has us live because you don't live on that peak. You go and serve on that peak and then you come back to where he's called you to live. And right now God's called him to live here and serve at VFC. So he's going and he's doing that and he's coming back and abiding in this valley. Um, And I just thought that was a great example of what I'm talking about this morning. So the first key to contentment though, is to let the Lord be your source. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, 
whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Man, we love to quote Philippians 4.13, but not Philippians 4.11 and 12. We like to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and only mean it to, that I can get that job, I can win that game. That's not really what Paul was saying, if I'm being honest. He's really saying, I can have hard times because of Christ who strengthens me. I can, be, I can have wants and needs that go unfulfilled because of Christ who strengthens me. I know how to abound and I know how to be abased because of Christ who strengthens me. And so, yes, the good part of that verse is true that we like to use, but it also means that you can go through hard times because of Christ who strengthens you. That's why you can do that. Um, Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Our contentment comes from the fact that he'll never leave us or abandon us, not from what we have or don't have. Um, when, we, when we let the Lord um, be our source, it means that his opinion is the one that we value the most. Um, it's what he says about us that matters. Um, it's what the people that we're in godly relationships, their opinions matter to us. But when we get into comparison, we lose that contentment because we're valuing someone else's opinion of what they have or what they say about us over what the Lord says. And that's one of the times our contentment leaves. So the key one of the keys to keeping our contentment is letting the Lord be our source and letting his opinion be the voice that speaks to us in our life. Um, second key to contentment is, is thankfulness. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In all circumstances. It didn't say be thankful when it's convenient. When people say what you want them to say, when they do what you want them to do, when you're paid what you're worth. It says be thankful in all circumstances. Um, And I have found that you cannot feel thankful, actively feel thankful and complain at the same time. So if you find yourself sinking into the kind of that pit of negativity and complaining that's so easy to do, so easy to do. I've done it. We all do it all the time. But when you do that, if you can pull up some thankfulness from somewhere in your life, I promise you can find something to be thankful for. You can find something. And as you start actively practicing that thankfulness, it pushes out the negative thoughts. It pushes out the discontent. It pushes out the complaining. You can't feel both of those feelings at the same time. You just can't. Um, and one of the 101 classes where we talk about the keys to a good marriage and one of them that I say is thankfulness. You know, I have had friends that have lost their spouses and um, they have said to me, I wish there was a pile of clothes on the floor by the bed that I used to complain about. I wish that was there because it means the person that I love would still be here. And things like that I think about so often, whether it's with, uh, with kids, with spouses, with jobs, like what if you lost your job? Then you couldn't complain about it because you didn't have it. You know what I mean? Like the alternative to the things that we complain about are often worse than the complaining that we're doing. Um, And so uh, thankfulness is a huge key to contentment in my own life. The third key is perspective. 
2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Your perspective comes from your position. Wherever you are, things will have a unique point of view from there. So if you're seated in the heavenlies with Jesus, like Ephesians 2.6 says, then you can see things the way God does. Um, how many of you have been on an airplane? And that's probably a lot of us. And, you know, you have that moment where you look out the window and you're going over like a city that feels huge when you're on the ground and you look out the airplane window and it's like all these tiny little houses and it looks like, it looks like toys, you know, like it looks like tiny little toys on the ground. And, um, and that perspective changed everything. What seemed huge on the ground seems very small and insignificant from the sky. Um, and so one of the real keys to living in contentment is asking the Lord for his perspective. Ask the Lord for perspective on the people in your life, um, the people that annoy you the most, that you understand the least. Ask God to show you his heart for them. He'll probably remind you of um, possible hurts that they've been through, about a childhood you don't know anything about. Um, and in that moment, it can change your heart and your perspective of the people that you were um, that you were complaining about, that you were cursing, that you were, you know, mad at, feeling anger towards. When you get God's perspective of people and situations, it changes your heart because you start feeling the way He feels about them. Um, so whatever the, the situation in your life, life is, ask God to just pull you up to his point of view and let you see it like he sees it. And in that moment, those things change. The fourth key and last key to contentment is trust. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He's unmoving. He's unchanging. He's dependable. When people and places are not dependable, the Lord is your rock. You can trust in him. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Um, you know, sometimes you've just got to trust that God has your best interest at heart because he does. And so when things don't work out the way you thought they would or the way you wanted them to, it, it's probably him moving on your behalf, saving you from something, and you, it requires trust on your part to be content that whatever it is that's happening is, is for your best because he loves you. So my question to you this morning is, are you content on the mountain and in the valley? Do you love where you live right now? Jamie, you may come up. Wasn't that awesome? Yes. So good. Let's stand. Let's take a moment and internalize. This is such an important message, such important exhortation and instruction for us. It's so easy to just forget our trust, our perspective, right? all these different things that God's calling us to. It's so easy to long for the mountaintop experience and disdain the valley that we're in, Right? It's so easy to want to go from mountain to mountain to mountain, but that's not where we live. 
Take a moment, let's close our eyes. Ask the Holy Spirit this question that Tiffany just asked you. Am I content on the mountain and in the valley? Do I love where I live? Now, that doesn't mean you have to be okay with everything that's happening. Again, she said there's a future, there's change that can come, but until that comes, you have to have God's perspective. What about you? When you ask that to the Lord, what is he saying? Is there thankfulness that needs to well up in your heart? Is there peace that needs to well up in your heart? I want to lead you in a prayer where we allow the Lord to teach us how to be happy, at peace, and contented no matter where we are. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. And in your wisdom, you have mountaintops for me and you have valleys for me. So I submit to your will and to your way. Help me recognize that you alone are my source. Help me learn the art of thankfulness. Help me gain your perspective. And may I trust you no matter what I see. Lord, my life is yours. Do what you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.